0: That was fun before the game on Saturday. We had our we had our, our big blog and podcast uh, staff and audience reader listener uh, tailgate meet up. The team gave us a tent to use. It was great. It was necessary because it was warm and sunny. And
1: I, I am still kind of sunburned despite the tent, but I am very pasty, so that is not surprising.
0: Uh, but yeah, it was great. Uh, some good food, multiple instances of pigs in blankets, which, awesome. That? Uh, good beers, uh, good people, good times, had by all. We did a Facebook live video, so some people may have made a cameo in uh, Ryan Kiefer's very dramatic opening sweep yeah. of the tailgate. Uh-
2: a very different impression than our normal thing, especially from that region of Lot Eight, which usually involves standing next to a trash can, and and we've got multiple Facebook videos of just standing near some trash and yep. uh, going for it anyway. Yeah, we don't try to lie yeah. in our. He, videos. he brought some production values to it. Uh, I, I think my inclination is more towards the like gritty gritty uh, uh, cinema verite, whereas uh, Ryan brought some um, some technical expertise that that normally I just wouldn't bother with. Cinema Verite is a fancy way of
0: saying it didn't have money for a cinematographer.
2: No, it's more like true, true to life. Um, <laughs> so without the my, flourishes that, that Ryan brought for us.
1: My my, aud- my editing philosophy for this podcast is Audio Verite.
0: Except you cut out the background noise. It sounds great when you do. That's I, true. I think Audio Verite would be a bad philosophy for a podcast. Yeah. Uh, and for proof yeah. of that, go back and listen to some of our older episodes
1: yeah especially when dragons used to eat the podcast
0: yeah uh rick is now off rick the blasian is now off in in belgium slaying their dragons
2: yeah we missed him at the tailgate because he he uh has been he's been at every single one right We've never yeah missed he rick before at a tailgate yeah, so he'd been at, at least most of them before that but right. he
0: he's off in belgium now i missed his short ribs oh yeah those were good well, like I said, we had we had pigs and blankets. I I brought some of the pigs and blankets. Listeners Ben and Lauren brought some. They also brought a delicious beer that I'm going to talk about here in a minute. Um, Kevin was there. He 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 accidentally brought a shandy. He didn't know it was a shandy, and he brought <sighs> it. He pulled it out, and I said, "That's a shandy." He said, "No, it, it it's not a shandy." And he drank it. And he said, "It's a shandy," uh, yeah. and, and I promised him we would mock him. <laughs> on the show our
2: our strong history of shandy's gone wrong uh continues it it
0: does and it's never intentional no one ever no one ever brings a shandy and says i'm gonna prove you wrong it's always i i grab this and i'm sorry uh meg's mvp with bringing some empty cooler space before jason got there with a bigger cooler uh keith i know uh jason you had a good conversation with him about bronco boscovich and
2: yeah, looking back, looking back on the past and maybe some some mistakes um and that maybe leather though. That's true. Uh you can't do a jacket, don't do a jacket like that. It's yeah. Uh,
0: I I'm I'm almost sad. I'm almost sad that we changed our um our banner on our Twitter page to the new logo from that old uh Boscovich leather bomber jacket. Uh one more name to shout out always, from the tailgate. You always bring them back. Actually two more names to shout out. Scott yeah. was was there. He brought Mexican BL a play on Mexican BLTs that were pretty tasty. Really good tomatoes. Uh and and our, our good friend Kara uh Kara, rather, uh was was there as well. And uh yeah, I also ran into Damien who wanted to stop by but wasn't able to. Um Kara and Damien, I think, both get shout outs as as Patreon donors as well, so Hooray for Thank that! Thank you guys. Thank, Thank you. you guys. Thank
2: you for helping us in our goal to po- podcast from the moon, which is again our stated goal. It's out on the yes. site though. We should probably put that on there. But um we've m- multiple times now said that we want to do this show from the moon. That's where our head are. I mean, uh, I think Adam put it on the site. I, Adam together, has been on none, on none, none of our sites. Oh, I have Go I have homework on. to do. More writing. Thanks. Yeah. Uh-huh. uh huh. thanks this is what happens i'll, just, I'll, I'll add volunteer be like eight billion count i didn't volunteer and you're not in a position to boss me so it's probably not going to happen now because <laughs> now i've made up my mind and that's how to things to the, work
1: <laughs> to get to the moon we'd have to launch from virginia though
2: that not with that attitude <laughs> <laughs> what if we get enough money where we can build our own launch platform and we don't we'd have, have to, to go, go to international waters. some other It'd some th- other existing platform.
1: It'd have to be a lot of money if we wanted to launch from the District of Columbia. It's we'll going to take a lot of money no matter
2: where we launch from. Yeah, launch platforms are already far enough in our future that, you know, that's an issue for future us to settle uh, as to where we build it. Um, that'll be the least of our problems, I think. I mean, if we're trying to go to the moon, it'll be a pretty big problem. No, eventually, just like right now, it's the least of our problems. For okay. example, none of us know how to build a flying structure, much less one that can get out of the Earth's uh, uh, field of gravity. For example, or a launch platform.
0: Yeah, we don't know how to build that either. I
2: don't know where to build it. Yeah, we wouldn't be able to build, for example. For example, I think we could build something out of wood, but not a, a flying ship of any kind,
1: nor a platform.
2: None of us are engineers, or even oh. like dabble in engineering. Nope. I mean, I played with so, Legos. So- Send us a lot Probably of money, because that's the only way we can like solve it's... this problem, is is money. All
0: right, let's, um, <laughs> as much as I want to keep on this thread, let's talk about <laughs> starting the show now. Uh, DC United played two games last week, didn't score any goals, lost 2-0 in Orlando. Anything? and You're
2: not going to say, gonna hey, hey, welcome there, man.
0: in? Oh, wow. See, this is... I I take a week off and I'm completely off my game. Hey, hey, welcome in. This is Filibuster, (laughs) the Black and Red United podcast. I'm Adam Taylor, back after uh, a week off and God knows what happened while I was gone. They are Jason Anderson and Ben Bromley. We're all from blackandredunited.com, where we write about D.C. United and the U.S. national team. So we're talking about both of those things tonight. Uh, We've got those two... D.C. United games in which no D.C. United goals were scored to talk about a two nothing loss in Orlando, followed by a scoreless draw at home against the L.A. Galaxy. We'll talk about those. And we'll also talk about the U.S. national team's upcoming World Cup qualifiers. Uh, They'll they'll go down Thursday night, eight o'clock against Trinidad and Tobago, and then Sunday night, 830 p.m., a rare night game at the Azteca uh, there. Before we do anything, though, Ben, since you brought this up, you go first. What are you drinking?
1: So I brought a delicious IPA to our aforementioned tailgate. It was uh, Devil's Backbone 16-point IPA. Their regular IPA is their 8-point IPA. And their 16-point is, obviously, their uh, Imperial IPA, their double IPA. Uh, And I was fortunate enough to bring one back with me. And it remains quite delicious.
0: Excellent. I I mentioned that a uh, couple of listeners, Ben and Lauren, brought uh, a delicious beer to the tailgate. Somehow one of them ended up in my cooler at the end of the day, and I got home and found it in there, and I said, I am drinking that on the podcast on, on Monday night. And so that's what I'm doing. It's uh, Dogfish Head's Sea Quench Ale Session Sour. It's really more of a Goza style. Uh, it's got a nice little salt kick and a, a a very nice lime kick to it as well. It's tasty and refreshing and today was the first i think really kind of humid day we had it wasn't super hot in the district Not but it here was, it was muggy for what it was and so this this is a nice beer for for this weather jason what are you drinking
2: uh i have a similar story about uh, a beer being left in my cooler except it was only temporarily left in there and then uh was taken from, uh, from me Um, Stephen Streff brought me a Virginia beer, made a big show of it because as a Virginian, he needs to to comfort himself over the small things that his state has occasionally done correct. Um, and I put it in the cooler, uh, but I did not really obscure it and I didn't announce to anyone to not take it. And at the end of the day, it was gone. So someone else drank that beer. So I don't have that one. Um, It's a Hardywood
1: pills and it's a very good beer.
2: Right. Hardywood, Hardywood does good work. Uh, like I, I said, this is one of Virginia's small victories, um, uh so Jimmy has instead, many victories, fam like four or five many um in any case uh I am drinking uh as a result of of the uh beer theft um <laughs> I am drinking uh something I think I've had on the show once or twice I'm drinking a uh, um Union Brewing's uh Balt alt beer uh Balt it's a big surprise it's made in Baltimore. Bort? um it's not bort uh, also is not also named bort um no, it's 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 a pretty solid alt beer, maybe on the malty side of that genre. Um, but I've been on kind of an alt beer kick. The I don't know if every Gordon Beers has them right now, but the Annapolis one had um, uh, their version of an alt beer going, and that's a pretty really that's a a pretty strong example of that uh, style of beer. And I, I like it. I think it's the kind of beer that really should be more popular because it's you can kind of drink an alt beer anytime. Um, alt just means old in German. Um, it's not an alternative to beer. Uh, that's not what, what's happening here. I don't know what it's that not would a be. Well, the, but that's not that, that's like a different thing. Or a like, malt this beverage. is saying it is a beer. It's just the alternative to standard beer. This is not that. It's just an old school uh, brewing method um, and and uh, ingredient requirement. So it's
1: old school Limerita.
2: It is. It is. There's Stop no limerita. Um I would not do that to myself uh, unless desperate. I'm not going to lie. There are, there are a long history of me drinking things that I shouldn't have drank. Uh, Out of sheer desperation and or um, curiosity, but mostly just like, well, I want to keep drinking. This is all that's left. Is there a Patreon donor level
0: at which point you would drink a Limerita on the show?
2: I'm sure there's a figure we could could, uh, toss around. Um, It's probably not even that high. (laughs) <laughs> but the issue is that the issue is that that I would have to, that would be, have to be for me only. I'm not sharing. if I'm doing if I'm drinking the lime marita, I'm not sharing the money. <laughs> so someone could come up and give me in person and I'll, I'll do it um, because so we don't a have patriot. a good. Yeah, we don't have a good way to divvy it up is the problem unless unless you guys also want to drink a lime Rita. But Ben wouldn't even mind so much.
0: Maybe that can be a, a longer term goal. Get us to the right. point we, where we could we, we can force Jason to, to do that
2: or or at least give us the the way that we would sort this problem out because I don't see a solution. <laughs>
0: All right, it's a, let's it's let's talk soccer.
2: Problem. No more math.
0: No more math. I was told there would be no math. DC United ended this quick spurt of games, 3 3 games in 8 days uh with with I guess they had a goal in the first one, but it wasn't from the run of play. Uh a couple of goalless efforts since our last show dropping a two nothing result in Orlando before a what turned out to be both disappointing and encouraging scoreless draw Saturday against the visiting LA Galaxy Ben the first question I think has to be where are the goals why are there no goals I was told there would be goals
1: I wasn't told there would be goals I I was my uh, evidence these past a uh, couple of weeks has been there are no goals so it, this just fits in with that with that uh, manifestation.
0: Well, um, where are the goals? Where did they go? Did they go in where the 26... Cowboys have
1: gone? They, no, Sorry, they went to bad. 2016. That was bad. I, I was going to ignore it, but then you kept doubled down on it. Um, yeah, they're, they're still in 2016, and uh, because of injuries and bad play, DC United is also still in 2016, but in like, mid-season 2016, so... It's not a good position right now. Uh, Patrick Nyarko is, I think, the closest out uh, of—well, Acosta too, but uh, they're the closest out of D.C. United's attacking performers uh, to reaching their uh, 2016 performance. Uh, Obviously, Patrick Mullins is injured now for a long time, and even before his injury, he was not scoring goals like he was at the end of last year. Uh, Lloyd Sam has not reached his heights of last year— um uh, Jose Ortiz has been okay but not good enough and yeah everybody's just kind of muddling through the uh midfield isn't doing enough either like the, the central and defensive midfield so it's still just a, a systemic issue that uh isn't resulting in goals
0: yeah the there are problems all over the field you're absolutely right injuries are an issue um, players not performing up to their standard that we that they set last year obviously is an issue um, i I said this la game was both encouraging and disappointing because they actually did generate some some good scoring chances or at least some some half decent ones and and that was good to see and in addition to that, there were a lot of plays, a lot of plays where they were getting the ball into the final third sometimes with numbers, and that last ball just wasn't there they It would be picked off or be just a little bit off be behind the runner uh or a cross would get go go straight to uh jella vandama's head uh so there were there were chances in that game and there were even some chances in the Orlando game, which I think the, my note on the Orlando game specifically is karma's a dick. Um, DC United won the game in Vancouver on a penalty kick off of a Jose Ortiz dive in Orlando. Giles Barnes goes down with, well, we'll charitably save very little contact with a defender, uh, just outside the box, not for a penalty, but Orlando scores on the ensuing free kick, uh, to kyle aaron who had beaten steve birnbaum to the spot and scored a header despite a nice bear hug from birnbaum that probably would have been called a penalty had Laren not scored and then bill hamid with probably the worst on-field moment of of his career as far as maybe not from a leverage meaningful result standpoint but as far as just personal error he uh he flubbed a, a shot that was right at him and let it in for a goal uh Jason what what did you take away from that Orlando game in particular
2: I actually I thought there were there were a lot of positives in that game um despite the final score um you know looking back and and watching United create several great scoring chances um you know Lamar Nagel rounding the goalkeeper and being uh denied by a handball um is is one though i don't want to complain too much about that because he should still be putting that ball away Um yeah. the handball should not have been an option for jonathan specter well he wasn't even trying to commit a handball either um uh bucher uh missed one that was a uh, a pretty good pretty a really good look um the replays just I've kept making it, it look more and more uh, like an inviting chance than it was from the the uh, initial um yeah full speed, i've seen that uh, called the miss of the year in
0: some places that's,
2: that's ridiculous i think that's um,
0: overstating it by quite I mean, a bit keep
2: in like, mind keep in mind dc united okay. fans have seen teo bunbury uh completely whiffed down yeah. an empty net um uh, with with no one even around him so um it's not even the miss of like the last six weeks uh in mls um but it was a bad miss um there's no doubt about that um There was another shot in there that's escaping me at the moment because uh, that game feels like it was like 10 days ago Yeah, (laughs) um, uh, because of the deluge of of matches. Um, But in general, I thought United approached the game uh, in a pretty smart way. They were using the ball really well. Um, Their their ability to connect passes was uh, better than I expected on a rainy surface uh, coming off of short rest. I thought they really... they played a, a game that we thought that I don't think anyone really expected them to play. I think everyone was looking for very similar to what we saw in Vancouver, which was sit deep, absorb a ton of pressure and maybe scrap a chance somewhere along the way. Um, instead they actually tried to keep the ball. Um, they, if I'm not mistaken, um, had, did they have the, No, Orlando had higher, a higher passing accuracy, but United's was still, uh, not terrible. um, there were a lot of players that were you know really stepping up Jared jeffrey had 90% uh pass ac- passing accuracy which for him is fantastic mm-hmm. um you know it, it, this was a weird game because we also saw uh, lucho playing wide left um the lineup def- the reaction to the lineup was definitely like what is this exactly um chris odoyachim played really well um really showed himself to be uh ready to to get more minutes on a regular basis i think um, and, and, overall, I, th- I think United's problem wasn't, uh, I mean, outside of the finishing, their problems weren't really big problems in this game. They just made two big defensive mistakes and there were mistakes made by very important players, um, that the team has to rely on. If, if, you know, Kyle Laren is the, I will say Kyle Laren's the only guy in the league that can score that goal. Um, with Steve Birnbaum draped on his back, hu- trying to pull him down, no one else is scoring that goal. Um, but still, Burnbaum can't be beaten to the spot like that. He has to get in the way of Laren to the point that if Laren's getting that ball, he's committing a foul to do so. Um, so that's a mistake from Burnbaum. And then the goal from, the, the second goal is clearly a mistake that Bill Hamid virtually never makes. It's, it's a, you know, one out of a thousand kind of deal. Um, yeah, and he didn't
1: deserve that mistake.
2: Right. Um, it's definitely, you know, he had played well enough where it wasn't, uh, you know, sometimes... Adam, like you said, karma could be a problem. Maybe that's part of the payback, too, is um, United had to pay a lot back in that game because there are a lot of bad luck moments, um, even with the misses, and it's frustrating to let Orlando off the hook a little bit because I think this game was otherwise pretty even. It's just that when Orlando made a gigantic mistake, United did not put the ball in the net, whereas when United made a gigantic mistake, the ball went in. Um, and sometimes that's life in soccer. Um You've got to punish teams for their mistakes. But outside of that, the game was even. Um, And United coming from Vancouver, flying to Orlando, um, playing an unfamiliar lineup with, you know, Odo Achams getting his first start. Uh, Lucho's on the left side. Buescher hadn't played since the season opener. Um, There's a lot going on there that should have made this a really difficult performance. And they actually, I think, exceeded expectations on a performance standpoint. The scoreline probably met a lot of expectations, but the process of how we got there I think is is more important for this team going forward. And I think the same is true for the the Galaxy game. Uh it,
0: it was not the kind of dour, grim, scoreless draw <laughs> right. that
2: you There were like think 35 of, combined sure, sure. shots, I think.
0: Uh yeah, yeah exactly. 35 30, combined shot attempts. 35 combined shots between the two, 12 shots on goal. Yeah. For yeah. between the two teams, evenly split, uh six to six. United had nineteen attempts uh in this one, and some of them, you know, actually beat John Kemper, the Galaxy third string goalkeeper who was in there. Ashley Cole made a save on Ian Harks. Uh I I haven't seen a replay that shows me conclusively what part of his body he saved it with. Um but it would be it'd be fitting if it was with his with his arm, but United took the corner very quickly and I I like I said, I've seen no replays outside they of caught, the stadium.
2: They caught a lot of people off guard with that short corner, by the way. Yeah. Not just not just the galaxy, but like I was on the loud side and most people were not aware that the ball was in play. Yeah, that that was a good good move and it yeah. Ended up with another
0: decent opportunity that Kofi Alpari put put yeah, wide just, to end the, the, last wide. Touch of the game.
2: Um Yeah. Uh I guess that's just the story of things like they also had the goal called back uh, for offside on Ortiz, which um, was which was correct. Yeah, there it was, was correct. A lot of people did not realize that he what the offside call was, but it was on Ortiz in the build up. It wasn't the last touch. Yeah. It was Ortiz coming back onside to make a touch. Um, and it was the right call. But, you know when you're snake bit that's the kind of thing that happens where it's a it's a narrow call in the build-up it's not even an obvious offside it's a like right. oh really if i look really close the this one should have been called back. yeah the
0: confusion was doubly strong because after like after blowing the whistle the referee gave van a yellow card for something that happened 90 seconds earlier yeah. <laughs> and nobody knew what was going on um with all the confusion, nobody heard the whistle to stop play. I, I know I didn't on the, when I watched the the condensed replay on MLS live, you could hear the whistle on the broadcast, but mm. in the stadium, you couldn't. Um, the the crowd was really good on Saturday. Uh, yeah. It was, it was great to see. Uh, it was the first time I've seen uh, the announced attendance and have actually thought, I thought it was bigger than that because <laughs> I think they announced something like 17 seven. Yeah. And I, I thought it was going to be closer to, the, the 19,000 capacity of the lower bowl. Whatever else happened, I think this was the best showing the team has had in in over a month. Even with no goals, they, they could have scored. Uh, Kempen made a save. There were some misses in this one too. Uh, Acosta had a basically a two-on-one uh, with, with Ortiz who made maybe... I understand his thinking on the run, cutting across to try to draw a defender away, but he ended up kind of closing down Lucho's angle. Mm-hmm. Um, Acosta still managed to hit beat beat the keeper and hit the crossbar on that one. As a, encouraging as the performance was, nineteen shots, six on goal, uh, they still can't find the back of the net, and it's yeah. I understand yeah. everyone's frustration with that. I and it actually leads me. To, to this next question, United has a 10-day break now to, to get their heads in order or go to the beach or you know, hit the gym, whatever they need to do. When they come back next Tuesday, uh, they are going to be facing the, the world's best or the country's best amateur soccer team, Christos FC, from Anne Arundel, Maryland.
2: No, they they're from they're from outside Baltimore. They're not from Anne Arundel County.
0: No, the the founder of the team said they're from Anne Arundel. At least they were founded in Anne Arundel.
2: No, they're 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 an outside Baltimore team. Okay. Anyway, wherever they
0: what wherever that liquor store is that they that they're based from, they are United's next opponent and my question is when that game happens at the Soccerplex, would you guys rather see Ben Olsen run out a a first choice lineup or what amounts to it with the injuries that are currently on his on his team or do you want to see the kind of thing we usually see at this stage in the open cup where you see backups at almost every position
1: i mean despite the fact that they're going to play a crap ton of games after that no, I no, I take it back. I I still want them to sh- to do a a mostly reserved lineup cuz there are so many games after that between then and uh the international uh the international window opening on July 10th that they 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 can't uh take those guys and use them for 90 minutes on an open cup game. They've got to wait and get them ready for uh the next MLS game.
0: Jason, what do you think? Does the overuse concern dominate or do you think they should just do what they can to basically take a what amounts to a, a, a an open cup darling, but what should be a weaker opponent to try to get some good vibes going and score some goals?
2: Uh, my position is that you have to earn the right uh, in the early, early part of your season to get to roll the dice on fielding some starters um, in your, your early Open Cup game and make it easy on yourself. By being behind in the standings, United is stuck you know, between a rock and a hard place. Um, they have – that game is on Tuesday. They play Saturday at Toronto, went the next Wednesday home against Atlanta, and then – Saturday uh, at Philly, a week after that they're at Montreal, 3 days after that they're at Dallas. Um so at a certain point you're just going you're just ending up uh running players into the ground and, and with the the way this team has had injury problems already this year, uh I don't think they can afford to roll the dice, especially when you think about the fact that they might be bringing some of those players back. Someone like Sean Franklin might be back in the lineup. Um um right. Um, I, I don't know if Deleon will be back for the Open Cup game. That might be Not the I mean, Open Cup, but but yeah, yeah. in um, that in
1: that time frame,
2: right. But you know, if you're rolling the dice on those guys having to come through and play, like Franklin's a defender, he's probably going to be held out until he can play 90 minutes um, until they're reasonably sure he can do that. Um, with the short rest in those games, it's it's difficult to do. So I think um, the game. I mean. Those first four games after the the Christos game, those are all Eastern Conference games. Um, those are games United can't afford to let slip by. They have, they have put themselves in a box where they kind of have to run that set of games without... Maybe they can take one loss in those four. And, and like I said, uh, at Toronto FC is the first of those games. That's about as difficult as it gets. Um, so they're in a position where they kind of have to... Uh, send out reserves against Christos and rely on them to see it through because if we're being honest that they should be able to get that job done um I think any MLS team would gladly take a home game against a local amateur club over the available other options um United isn't having to play uh the kickers who would be definitely hungry to prove that they belong at a higher level Um, they aren't having to play another MLS team, which I I wrote on an article in the site was a distinct possibility just because of the number of East coast, um, MLS teams. And the fact that in that round, there are three all MLS matchups. Um, so the circumstances are, have been generous to United in that regard, and they've got to take advantage of it. Um, those second choice players, um, have to go get the job done. Uh, Al-Haji Kamara, for example, who didn't play for Richmond uh, in the Open Cup. So he's cup eligible. Um, He should be looking at that as a great opportunity for himself. Um, uh, Chris Durkin. Chris Durkin will probably play that game. I I would uh, strongly imagine he's going to start that one as the number six, which would be nice to see. Um, I I think uh, Buescher is going to look at that as a great opportunity for himself. Um, and you know, those players need to look at that as their moment to really, um, step forward and, uh, push themselves forward because it's not like, I mean, yes, United's last two games have been better. Um, but there are still, the doors should still be open at most positions for guys to move because the bottom line is that the team isn't winning games. And when you're not winning games, the guys that are second choice can suddenly become first choice if they just play, they just prove it at some point.
0: That actually brings me to my next point: is there are some, well, several spots on the field that even if we said conclusively that Ben Olsen should field a first choice lineup <laughs> against Christos FC or he he shouldn't, which it sounds like is where you two come down. And to be clear, I don't think we need the starters to beat Christos FC. If we do, then there's a lot more wrong than than right. we're talking about. But. The idea in my head was just to get them that little bit of confidence that scoring goals, even against an amateur team, yeah. could potentially bring. I, In the end, I think I, I come down on the same side as you guys, that you know the season is more than this Open Cup game. And confidence is not worth a lot if you're suffering from an overuse injury on the bench, or not right. even on the bench, outside of the roster. So... I think you got it. You have to do some squad rotation. I think Marcelo could start in this game. Uh, I, I think it's an open question who starts at center back against Christos and who starts against Toronto. If Burnbaum is back, I think he's going to be in the Toronto lineup, but Oparian and Robinson looked pretty damn good against Zardes and Dos Santos and Alessandrini and the rest of the galaxy. And I think either of them have an argument to start next to him. So we could very well see Boswell play against Christos FC.
2: It it wouldn't, especially because Opare also played well in Orlando. Um, So those two guys took, they got an opportunity and they've taken advantage of it. They've, they've put out a, uh, a good, the best version or not, maybe not the absolute best version of themselves, but a really strong presentation of what they can do um, on a team that at center back has question marks. So, um, it wouldn't shock me at all if we're looking at like a Boswell Robinson pairing against uh, Christos, and then Opare and Burnbaum against TFC. But it all depends, you know, how severe is Boswell's injury. Um, it's very re- we don't have a good track record on Boswell's injury recovery time because he yeah. virtually never gets injured. Right, um, he was on the bench for yeah, he, for the LA game even
0: with the right, knock. Right, so he he could be ready to to play right um, <laughs> on Tuesday next Tuesday. But,
2: at the same time, I mean, fans would have every right to be a little frustrated if Opare was dropped out of um, that first-choice uh, spot because it's not like Boswell was playing that well beforehand, Yeah, uh, before the right. injury. so um, Boswell did it, help right the ship after the yeah. opening spell
0: of games when United were just a sieve, but it the way Opare and Robinson moved the ball was so nice against L.A., um, yep. that's a big part of why United won the possession battle for the first time. And well, that I can remember this year, <laughs> United actually right out, possessed and had a better passing percentage than the other team that I, I'm positive. Those two things haven't happened in the same game before, uh, this weekend, at least not in 2017, mm-hmm. Robinson and Opari were a big part of that. And I think at least one of them needs to be starting against Toronto, um, in two weeks. Another position that's an open question right now, partly because Mullins is hurt and he hasn't been performing that great this season anyway, is is forward. Ortiz has shown that he's a hardworking player, but flawed. Latou has a, a first touch that makes me cringe every single time, but he he's scored some goals, especially when we are um, when United are are playing deep and looking to hit on the counter. Lamar Nagel. Has has shown some life. Alhaji Kamara scored a hat trick for Richmond in the last couple of weeks. Who I, I expect Kamara will start against Christos. Who do you want to see start against Toronto? <laughs>
2: who do you want? Yeah, yeah. Right, who it's,
1: you, not want to it's see? Who do
2: especially? Zlatan. I mean, part of the problem too is that if I if I answer Nagel, it means that I don't have Nagel as an option uh, on the wings. Um, right. Which is less of a concern with, with um, Patrick Niako playing uh, most of this last game. Um, wait, did he play all or most? I think did he play? came out late okay. in the second half. Um, but uh, it's still a concern, especially since you've got two games uh, to deal with and, and a trip to Canada to boot. Um, I feel like Nagel right now is playing the best of the, the available forwards, but at the same time um is is uh you know kamara should probably start that open cup game um ortiz did some stuff that was all right against la um but i think he's still leaving the door open because uh ultimately i think olsen's gonna land on who whichever forward scores a goal first is probably going (laughs) to be the guy that um holds the job down for at least the next few weeks um But yeah, that's a, it's a hard, it's a hard one answer. I guess my, I I guess my answer in the end is going to be Nagel against TFC, because I think he's the most likely to end up creating goals out of the group. I think that makes sense. I think against Toronto, we might be
0: in a, a deeper block. Uh, And so Latou makes some sense considering the success he had against Atlanta in that but Toronto's not the same team as Atlanta, right. so at the same time, I yeah, this is not a choice I think Ben Olsen is looking forward to making at, right at this second.
1: I, I was going to lean with uh, Latou just because with Nyaku uh, coming back and uh, Sam and Nagel available on the other side, just getting something else different that's available uh, against TFC might be useful. I know he's not right. doesn't have the same kind of experience that Nagel does, but I I think he might work better with what DC United has available right now as a forward. If you're not going to start Kamara, which Ben Olsen will
0: especially if he goes ninety on Tuesday, yeah. But at this point, you know I wouldn't mind seeing Kamara in the uh, the game day roster. Uh, he's the only United forward scoring goals right now. Um, yep. Also, hashtag start Durkin. Uh, that's all I got for, for this segment. We'll be right back to talk about the U.S. men's national team and World Cup qualifiers. Stick around. It's Filibuster, the Black and Red United podcast. Hey, Ben, um, you wouldn't say this is a hostile work environment, would you? You can tell uh, me.
1: Depends. I mean, well, I should ask you. I mean, is our goats hostile?
0: It's time to talk about the USA. 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 The the rejuvenated World Cup qualifying effort is back this week as Bruce Arena's side hosts Trinidad and Tobago Thursday night in Denver, well, in the Denver suburbs, before traveling to Mexico City, actual Mexico City, Sunday night for a date at the Azteca with Mexico. Who else? And we're going to talk about that right they could now. could play
2: somebody else.
0: They could I I guess that's true. Although I don't know how often that happens. Uh USMT
1: versus Club America.
0: I mean that there was a time that that was basically USA versus Mexico.
1: Yeah.
0: But I mean, the USA could play Trinidad and Tobago at Azteca, I guess. I mean, El Salvador treats RFK as an auxiliary home field. So why couldn't the US? No, why would the US go to Azteca? There there are some expats there, but not enough to justify that.
1: No, if they had to play in Mexico, I guess they'd play in Tijuana.
0: Again. Not so much. Anyway, uh unlike the last pair of World Cup qualifiers, which felt like the uh, the the chances for qualification held on, were 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 held on a razor's edge despite being just the third and fourth games, this time things are feeling a little better. The USA is fourth in the group. Uh, the top three automatically qualify. The fourth goes into a playoff against uh, a lower finisher from Asia, I think, this cycle. Yep. Uh, but the chances of qualification are much, much better. The hardest games are behind the USA, except for this Mexico game. But the, the, the path, the the run-in is a little bit easier than the, the opening stretches were. And the the team's in good position to advance after those uh, those March games. So, Ben, how are you feeling? Is, is that an accurate summary of, of your feelings, or are you still have a li- having a little trepidation going into this pair?
1: I still have a little trepidation, uh, especially since Bruce Arena was talking today about how they're just going to figure things out against uh, Trinidad and Tobago, and that made me not feel good uh, in my stomach of hearts so it's i mean i still expect the team to win against the uh, against trinidad and tobago which is not something i would have necessarily said uh, in the jürgen klinsman era but i just need to see it on the field i need to see them come back and start really producing and getting these points that they need to get back into proper parts of uh, the world cup qualifying hierarchy and they 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 started that uh a couple of months ago and they just need to be able to continue to do that and continue to rack up points. Because I think even at his, until we're first he, in the he, until we're in first in the group, I'm still gonna be worried. And we may never be first in the group this cycle because Mexico we're is not, still we're not way, get way the off first in the group. but but that's the no, only that's time I feel happen. safe. That's the only time I feel safe
0: though. So I think even during the darkest hour of the the Klinsman reign, I would have expected. I would expect to beat Trinidad and Tobago at home. Um, Yeah. Somehow with Klinsman, the fact that it's an incredibly meaningful match lowers, lowered the odds of winning. I think that was one of the problems with Klinsman is he, he performed worse when the lights were brightest. But I would still expect a win against Trinidad and Tobago, no matter who the manager is, no matter who the players available are. That's this is a game you have to win. Um and, and I think the US will. Um they've got some players performing really well, even though the you know, the draw against Venezuela in that friendly was disappointing. Um we're not gonna get too far into that game, but Christian Pulisic scored a goal, played pretty well in that number ten spot. Jason, he he was pulled up from the U twenties. They didn't have him. They went out also to Venezuela. Um uh, mm-hmm. but what does Pulisic bring to this team? That, I mean, he's, he seems to have made himself just an integral part, just an absolutely vital part of this team in a very short amount of time.
2: Uh, I think it's, a lot of it is his movement. Um, he's on another level off the ball, and he makes the game easy for himself. Uh, he also makes the game easy for everyone else around him because he's always available uh, for a, not just a pass, but a, a, an attacking pass. Um, the fact that he's so uh, distant uh, in that it's not just a once in a while he makes a really good run, it's a he's constantly looking to um, get into pockets of space, uh, provide a, an option where the U.S. can move the ball forward. Um, it also helps that he happens to be really good at kicking the old soccer ball around. <laughs> um, uh, that part of the game... Good coach
0: speak. Good coach speak.
2: That that part of the game is also uh, a strong suit for his, uh, of his, but... Um, Technically, I think he's he's one of the top five or six U.S. players, but his movement is like top one or two, um, and I think that's where he really makes a difference is that um, even at this age, he's already got such an advanced understanding of uh, how to manage space uh, on the field and how to take advantage of where the space, where the space is going to be rather than re- find seeing it and then having to react to it. Um, he knows where it's going to be, and that's that's a valuable skill to have, and that's what really makes the difference. That's what makes him um even at 18 he's already indispensable yeah and he's he can play pretty much anywhere in attacking
0: midfield he's played on the outside he's been playing at the 10 for the US under both arena and clinsman um so he's a, he's one of those guys who's on the team sheet in sharpie the only question is where uh yeah. at the other end of the field probably the top center back in the pool is john brooks who bruce arena is being coy about he uh brooks uh hurt his leg lower body type injury against venezuela might be unavailable for for these two games um he said bruce arena i think was quoted as saying thursday might be too soon and then when he was asked about the weekend game at mexico he's like i don't know about thursday how am i supposed to know about sunday and someone says well if he doesn't play thursday and arena said who says he's not playing thursday he's just (laughs) This is why I don't believe a lot of what uh, Bruce Arena says. We've called Ben Olsen a, a delightful troll with the media before. He learned everything he knows about that from Bruce Arena. Bruce Arena's is the troll master, and he's not letting on on, on John Brooks right. status. What would it mean yeah. if John Brooks is hurt again? What's What are the knock-on effects?
1: I mean, yeah, it means that either Matt Beasler or Omar Gonzalez is starting. Which, uh, next to Jeff Cameron, which is, could be okay, but is also just a giant roll of the dice. They're not starters for a good reason, because John Brooks just got bought for $22 million by a Bundesliga club, more than doubling the biggest price ever paid for an American, ever, in, in soccer transfer history. And so... It's a giant deal. Uh, there, there's nobody that can replace him. He, I, he's better than Jeff Cameron. He's the best defender on the team. He's probably one of the two or three best players at any position
2: on the USMNT. So it's giant. It It's interesting. Uh, Arena may have kind of st- – because that injury came after this roster uh, was announced, if I'm not mistaken. Um and he might have stumbled into being very secure in that uh, in that spot, though, because outside of Cameron and Brooks, he also has Beesler Gonzalez, Matt Hedges, Tim Ream, um All of those guys made the roster, so they definitely don't lack for depth. They're not going to have to play a non-center back out of position, which is yeah. one of the other Klinsman problems. Was that he wouldn't call? He would call in a squad that didn't make structural sense. It wasn't even down to eye for talent that was like another another problem it was just sometimes he would be short like he would call in a squad with zero left backs um and then just sort of try and deal with it um i think here against trinidad i i'm guessing we don't see brooks um i'm guessing the thought process has probably let him rest uh for mexico um and at that point any of the center backs in the squad, um, or the potential center backs in the squad can step in and, and do a good job in that game. That game's not going to be such a challenge that um they should be hesitant in starting any of those guys. It probably will be Gonzalez or maybe Beasler, but I, I've got a feeling it'll be Gonzalez and, yeah, and that's fine. I'm not I'm not worried about that at all. Um It might be a problem against Mexico just because of uh brooks having that extra speed that extra lateral quickness um people may underestimate Gonzalez gonzalo's over straight line is actually still pretty fast he doesn't look like it but he he is Um, as long as he's not defending somebody in open space (laughs) right it's it's lateral quickness problem um that that speed on the turn isn't really there with him um and mexico is very good at making that sort of thing happen so um my guess is that it's all, all about – like Brooks, I, I would be shocked to see him play against Trinidad, but um, the expectation has to be that if he's at all fit to play against Mexico, then he'll be – well, I guess you can't, you can't say at all fit because if there's a risk of him needing to come out, they're not going to roll the right. dice because of the, the altitude and the smog and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, they're I think they're going to hold off and see if they can get him on the field – uh, in that game, because that's the tougher game. And, and reali- realistically, if this group can't beat Trinidad at home without John Brooks, then something is deeply wrong with them because they've got a massive talent advantage.
0: Which brings me to the, the next question. Other than John Brooks, outside of that, do you think Bruce Arena should, should go for broke? Make sure you get all three points against Trinidad and Tobago with the knowledge that a U.S. result at the Azteca in World Cup qualifying is exceedingly rare. And that was one of the things that Klinsman accomplished was, was getting a draw in World Cup qualifying at the Azteca. Um, getting anything out of that game is not something that we can ever bank on. So knowing that, you know, it's it's you know going into the well, Dragon's Lair in Mexico, mm-hmm. do you make sure that you put all three points with a, with a strong lineup against Trinidad and Tobago, or do you rest some guys other than John Brooks trying to get, make the best lineup you can in Mexico city?
1: No, I think you, uh, for me, at least I'm fairly uh, concerned uh, about getting, getting the points where you can. So I think if you're a Bruce arena, you make sure you get all three points against Trinidad and Tobago then you run those same guys out against Mexico and don't care about uh how tired they're going to be for their club teams cuz that's their club teams problem and not your problem. You don't want them to get you're hurt, hurt. Not. Not hurt, but if they're if they're if they're uh just dead tired at the end of it, that's not your problem. That your problem is getting as many points as possible. So you have to get 3 points against Trinidad and Tobago. So I feel like you have to start and a, 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 and it's not like a, a A situation where you can throw on the real starters at halftime and then make it back. You never know what's going to happen so you have to start your full choice team at the beginning to make sure you get the three points and then afterwards you can start pulling people out if you're way ahead but you've got to start the full starters and then you start whoever you can against Mexico too and if they can't play for their club team the next weekend well, that's not your problem.
2: Uh, I think it's going to be sort of uh, maybe three or four spots getting rotated, not a, not down the spine of the team for the most part. Um, I think we might see you know different fullbacks playing against Trinidad, um, where the situation would be the first choice guys are going to start in Mexico, and and the second choice guys will play in Colorado. Um, I think Kellen Acosta probably starts against Trinidad and probably doesn't start in Mexico. Even though the way he's playing, I don't know that you can justify not starting him all the time. Mm-hmm. He's that good already. Um, yeah, he's been great. But, I, but I'm sure that the experience issue comes into play, and um, you do need to freshen up somewhere in central midfield. Um, we know Bradley's games. That's a, both games. That's a safe assumption. Um, so yeah, I think I think Acosta will start uh the fir- that first game uh, on Thursday. Um but outside of that I think it's gonna be a lot of the same guys uh given both you know um I'm I'm looking at the lineup looking or looking at the roster looking for other rotation candidates. I'm not seeing too many. I guess maybe Bobby Wood starts against Trinidad and, and Josie Altador starts in Mexico, something like that. Do you think Dempsey's got enough juice to to go in both games? Uh probably like sixty in both games. Um, yeah, if he has to go ninety against Trinidad, it,
0: God forbid. That's, it could be that could be trouble,
2: and it could be that Arena decides that the player that needs to be fresh for Mexico is Dempsey rather than Altidore, and he ends up going with Altidore for sixty, uh, partnering mm-hmm. then Wood, and then um, swaps out Wood for Dempsey to start the Mexico game. But probably one of the forwards will be rotated. Um And, you know, Acosta coming in against uh, Trinidad and the fullbacks. But that's probably going to be it. It's not going to be one team plays one game and then the other guys come in for the the next one, Um, which which is it would be a lot easier for Arena. He would have a lot less difficult of a problem. But uh, the U.S. is playing Mexico two days before the rest of that window is supposed to go off. Um, June 13th is when everyone else is getting to play. Um, And the issue is that Mexico, um, they are playing in the Confederations Cup. And that is why uh, I'm looking this up right now. Um, The the game was moved up so that they could take part in the Confederations Cup, which starts uh, June 17th in Russia. Um, And I alluded to the fact that this is a rare night game
0: for the U.S. at the Azteca. And that was the that was the price the U.S. exacted. From Mexico for agreeing to move the game so that Mexico could... Right. Because Me- Mexico's first game in is... Russia
2: is the 18th. Um, so they're barely... So, they're going to get there after everybody else. Um, but yeah it, yeah, it changes it from you could play... With five days, you could play both teams. Um, you, or you could be the same team in both games. You would not have to rotate at that point. Um, three days, yeah, you're going to have to rotate. And playing in Colorado was smart. It's was it's a way to acclimate for Mexico city without having to go there early, but it's still not quite the same thing. Colorado's air is a lot cleaner and they are still a what, couple like, thousand feet. I want, I, yeah, I wanted to say like 3,500 feet lower. Um, and let's be honest, a home game against Trinidad doesn't prevail for the mental side of going in against a hundred thousand people in Estadio Azteca and dealing with that. Um, so it's it's the best prep that the U.S. can manage. They don't have a stadium uh, atop Mount McKinley uh, that I know of, so they can't play qualifiers there yet. Even that the one air day. would be pretty good up there, I think. <laughs> yeah, you'd have to pump in some smog somehow. I don't know how you'd manage that. I don't think what you about- should do
0: that. I don't th- – as much as I love soccer and I want to see this team properly prepare, uh, number one, it's nowhere near as hot in Alaska on Denali as it is in in Mexico – and, and number 2 i we shouldn't be polluting it just for soccer what if we put a stadium on top
1: of uh mount washington here on the east coast so you can get those uh 200 mile an hour wind yes. gusts to uh r- r- to uh destroy free what, kicks goal one kicks one of the windiest NA places kicks. on earth
2: a great place to yeah. play soccer yeah
0: you know there's there's a patreon idea pay for us to play soccer there that'll be our uh, that'll be a, pl- a preparation mission for the moon
2: yeah, be yeah. Th- MLS's next build expansion moon... team, Mount Washington Soccer Club. And yeah. to be clear, our there's our no wind base. on the
0: moon other than the solo solar wind, but still worth it.
1: Yeah, and it gets our solar base cl- or our moon base closer to the moon. We can just launch from
0: the top of Mount Washington. <laughs> is that where we're going to launch? Maybe. Okay, works for me. I'll sign off on that. Whatever I. Yeah, I don't know that I get that authority, but I think I just gave it to myself. I also have the authority to end the show, and I think I'm going to exercise that. Now, thank you all for listening. Find us at blackandredunited.com, patreon.com slash filibuster. We're on Twitter at filibusterdcu for the podcast, at blackandredu for the website. Send your emails to filibusterpodcast at com. We're on iTunes. We're on Stitcher. We're on SoundCloud. We're on Google Play. We're on the podcatcher of your preference. Mostly, though, tell a friend about the show. We really appreciate it when you do that. For Jason and Ben, I'm Adam, and we're going to talk to you real soon. Say goodbye, Jason.
2: Adios, Jason. Oh, say, say.